Blog Talk Radio. This is Hervey Barber, Liberty Talk Radio Board Operator. Uh, I'm contacting you through Skype, but I can't get a video of you. Oh, you can't? Let's see. Uh, Hang on. It says it's turned on. You can't see me? No, I can't. Uh, you You want to try me again? All right, I'll call you back. Thank you. Joe, why don't you try me again? Okay, I'll call you back. I'll drop out and call you back. Okay, okay no, we got an image of Joe. Joe, can you see me now? Uh, we got an image of Joe on here, not you, for some reason. So my Skype says that I'm that my video is turned on. Your video is turned. No, Mr. Kotlikoff, we aren't getting your image. So you're not seeing me? Video, is that the problem? Joe is at the bottom, yes. But I got another picture of him from your uh, video. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not even hearing you all that well. I'm just hearing you sporadically. Can you hear me? Yeah. Is there any way we can do this by telephone or not? Uh, can we? You have to call in wrong. Blog Talk Radio. Okay. Well, you can call. Uh, all right, we got a guy on the way here to see if he might be able to help out with a video. Yeah, a technician. And uh, he'll probably be here in another five minutes if we want to wait to try it that way. Okay. All right, so just hang tight here, and then uh, we'll uh, let you know. Hang on. Okay. Thank you. 
I am seeing your computer screen. Oh, you are? Okay. Oh, you're doing something. That's interesting. Uh, where's... Yeah, do you know much about Skype? Just trying to see my... Uh... The thing is an option to stop sharing the screen. Yeah, your computer screen is what's showing up here on uh, on your you video, uh, Skype output. Kolikoff, our, our technician has just showed up. Uh, I'm going to put you on the line with him, okay? Okay. Okay. Um, can you go to tools on your Skype window? Skype um, tools. Yes. Go to tools. Not seeing anything. Where would I? Where, where do I look for tools? All right. Uh, I see file head view contacts conversations window help. That's it. Okay. I don't see anything. It's any option for tools. Let's see here. I can't. Okay, are you looking at the uh, top of your screen from on the right hand corner or left hand corner? Yeah. I'm sorry. And okay. I, but I don't see any. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, where where are the tools fitted? Well, usually at the top uh, left hand corner, there's going to be a Skype. Icon, yeah. contacts icon, conversations, call, view, and tools. And lastly, help. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm not seeing any any uh, menu item for tools, unfortunately. Huh. Okay. Um, just... Hmm. What if I call you guys? Um, yeah, let's try that. Okay. Yeah, same problem again. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here. Help. 
Well, what we're looking for, the reason I want you to go to tools, and maybe it's someplace different on your computer, is we're looking for options and then video settings. So we're trying to get the video settings, and once you get the video settings, you should be able to look at the different angles of your camera and stuff. So hmm. if we can find it, though. Almost? Yeah. Just show settings. Share screen. Uh, Yeah, I'm not seeing anything that looks like settings. Uh, I've got a colleague here. He's not seeing anything either. Um, I wonder if you can try and – I think I may have a different Skype address, which is Kotlikov at Gmail. I wonder if you could try and get me on that. Okay, yeah. Uh, you said Kotlikov at Gmail. Let's see if I can – I'll go ahead and hang up here and try to find you that way real quick. I'll call you back if I don't have any luck. Okay, sounds good. Hey, Joe, can you see me now? Oh, we we don't see you yet. Oh, still same thing. Uh, question: Are you on your phone or on you? Are you on a computer? I'm just on the computer. You're on a computer, okay. Talking through the computer, and I, you know, we went to um, Skype preferences, uh, and it's, you know, under audio video, got camera H FaceTime HD camera clicked on. Um, yeah, well, we can see what you're looking at right now, and that's yeah. the obviously the right camera. So now we just need to full screen it. Uh, um, as soon as Microsoft took over running this thing, it turned to shit. Uh, um, <laughs> did you notice that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. It's really never worked right since um, general. Yeah, I, I don't know. Can we do this by telephone? Uh, uh, it's up to you. If you want to do it that way, we certainly can. And Joe, if you want to do it that way, we can. I mean, if Joe okay. prefer that, then it just doesn't seem to be. Um, We're closer, but I don't know how long it's going to take try... to actually get there, Joe. Did, did you? Uh, the dollar store. Did you call me at the same number? Or did you call? You still there? Hello. Hello. Uh, I'm Hello. Uh, All right. How come I saw him before and now he disappeared? I thought. That's fine. We have his picture. Um. Yeah, we can get his picture really quick. That won't be a big deal. So yeah, um, 
we can, Lawrence, we can go ahead and just do it like this, and we'll just put a picture up instead of the Skype picture, so you don't even necessarily have to call a different number or anything. He doesn't have to call block up later. No, no. Oh, I mean, okay. we can just do it via Skype, and we'll just put his picture okay. up instead, if that's okay with you anyway. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Sure. Larry, okay. you, you didn't buy your computer at the dollar store, did you? I know this is a Mac. I was I was thinking about trying to reinstall. I tell you, we have, uh, you know, the, the more complicated these these things become, the more sophisticated they become. I should say, the more hangups we get, and if everything is not absolutely perfect, nothing works. It is very frustrating on our, our end because we encounter this very very frequently, and we have all the updated equipment and everything we order if we need. 50 gigabytes, we order 500 gigabytes just to make sure, and it's still, we still have problems. Yeah, I know. Um, Larry, I'm yeah, getting too old for this, Larry. Believe I'm getting too old for this. Uh, my grandfather used to say, I got on your I got be the old man. Uh, how are we doing? Hmm. I don't even see anything that says like Skype update. Uh, file. You know, whenever someone gives me an electronic doohickey for as a gift, I now, when I, I don't open it up, I say, good, now I have a gift to give someone else. Because I know I'm going to spend my <laughs> days or months or years just figuring the thing right. out. You know, if it's not worth it, you know. <sighs> there you go. Boy, there's a handsome dude, oh, huh? Jeez. That works? Yeah. Is, is, yep, that, is, that, is, is that Pamela Anderson in the background, Larry? <laughs> <laughs> quite. Uh, that works. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah, we got your picture up, so we're good to go. Okay. Okay. Let's. All right. Right. We tried something and worked. Okay. You sure you want him to do that, or you want to do that? Okay. Don't go away. Sit there and wait for. There's your check. Okay, we're going to start the show now, Mr. Okay. Kotlikoff. So just hang tight. We got about here. a half an hour. You're about to hear a revolution in talk radio. Liberty Talk Radio, where the critical thinking will defrag your mind of propaganda-ridden viruses induced by mass media news programming. No BS here, just the facts. And now we present to you America's quintessential iconoclastic anomaly. Wow. In Talk Radio, your host, Joe Cristiano. Welcome, everyone, to Liberty Talk Radio, America's libertarian voice, broadcasting from our studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to around the world. 
I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Folks, it's time for us to take back control of our government now before this bureaucratic, oversized, and self-serving federal government starves us of our property, our freedom, our rights, and our liberty. But to do this, we must shed conventional thinking regarding our political structure. We need to be revolutionaries in thought, dissidents in action. After we've recognized what our government is doing to our freedom and our constitution, will we start taking it back? And this program is just about that. Today, we're pleased and honored to have as a returning guest, Professor Lawrence Kutlikoff, a William Fairfield Warren professor at Boston University. He's a professor of economics and has been awarded a standing as one of the world's 25 most influential economists. And on this program, he's the most influential economist that we know. Him and Andy Sutton and a few others I like to mention. By the way, we are having audio difficulties, so we're going to put his picture up when he speaks, and you'll see my lovely face when, when I speak, but we're not having problems on this end. We're just having problems with the lines. Right? He's also, by the way, a New York Times bestseller author, and um, we, we are just absolutely pleased to have him back on our show. Today we're going to talk a little bit about foreign policy, trade, um, and um, maybe we'll throw in North Korea and the, the state of the economy, which is my hang-up these days. Larry, thank you so much for returning back to Liberty Talk Radio. Uh, my pleasure. I'm, I'm just going to try and walk to where I can uh, get a better reception because um, I'm only you're freezing up a little bit, but I'm going to uh, hopefully find a better location uh, for for our conversation. But keep speaking, Joe. Okay, very good. Well, you know, uh, uh, a person that we've had on our program before is uh, Gerald Salente. And uh, surprise, a little anecdote. Gerald uh, Salente is actually, he and I lived on the same block. To, you know, he's the world's preeminent trends forecaster. I'm sure you're familiar with him. And he and I lived on the same block in the Bronx together. <laughs> But we didn't know each other, you know, probably different times. It was Hone Avenue in the Bronx. But anyway, the reason why I bring him up is that he, his mantra is he says, we go through five stages. We go through a crash like we had in 2009, 2008. And he says, that follows a recession, which we had. He says, that usually is followed by a currency war, followed by a trade war, followed by a world war. And he said, right now, you know, if you listen to, you know, his, his blogs, and his programs, uh, and, and his trending, um, we're somewhere in between the trend, uh, uh, currency wars and, and trade wars. Now, the reason why I bring that up is everyone said, well, geez, we finally had a businessman in Washington, you know, and I had high hopes having a businessman in Washington, he would be a businessman, look at everything, have some sort of philosophical base from which he makes his decisions. And his decisions would not alter from his philosophical base. They would all be based on the same philosophical principles. And being a businessman, you have to have that, or you have inconsistency in your business, you go out of business. Well, uh, obviously, I'm incredibly disappointed. Ho- hopefully, you're not. You can tell me that I'm wrong. Um, but um, uh, we had yesterday, I spoke with... Um, uh, Rick Rule, you know, of Quad Asset Management. And um, I, I brought this up to him and I said, you know, I said, you know, you're supposed to be a businessman. He says, well, really not. He's, he, he's really not. In his opinion, he wasn't a businessman. He's more of a wheeler dealer type guy. And I, I, I have to agree with that. Now, Lawrence, 
how the heck are we going to tackle foreign policy, trade, um, and um, uh, you know, uh, 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 situations in North Korea, which we shouldn't be involved in at all, by the way, and not, neither should we be involved in all the other countries. You know, when we have a president that has no philosophical base and then is totally inconsistent in what he says and does, you don't know what he's, what's going to come out of his mouth two seconds later. You, you've got to help me out before I, I think I lose my top. At my age, I, I guess I shouldn't be this excited. Okay, Joe, can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly fine, yeah. Okay, good, because I'm getting a, you know, you're kind of uh, intermittently freezing when I hear you, uh, but, but, uh, but not to worry, because I can basically get your, you know, the gist of what you're saying, you're asking. Okay, so you're asking you do about 90% of the talking. Uh, how we can perceive, yeah, you're asking how we can proceed with um, uh, President Trump when the president is uh, uh, so erratic and uh, so disconnected from seemingly from reality and uh, kind of da- very dangerous. I think uh, we have a, a, a dangerous situation at home and, and also abroad uh, with North Korea. And having a president who's uh, essentially unstable, I think he's medically ill at some level, he doesn't seem to understand either the Constitution or uh, American principles. I'm not sure he's an American, to tell you the truth. Maybe he's a Russian agent. Uh, That might be the best we can say about him at this point, Uh, (laughs) which is uh, that's partly tongue-in-cheek, but the... um, the man is just not fit for the office. So uh, he's made a hash of healthcare reform. He doesn't understand the problems with the healthcare industry. So he's provided no guidance. He just is happy to sign anything and describe it as the best thing to spread. Uh, uh, on tax reform, he's offered proposals which are uh, not disconnected from what the House Republicans want. And when when they had a very have a, had a very good bill that they were so because he's made a mess of health care reform, uh, it's impacting on tax reform, so we won't likely get tax reform. And then uh, banking reform, he's trying to go back to the days uh, of, of yesterday of war when, um, when uh, the banks could do whatever they wanted and, uh, and uh, uh, nervous like they did in 2008 and start running away from the banks because they think there's too many crooks in the banking industry and they're just going to start running away because we have no disclosure and no, uh, you know, so we can't have a free market when people don't have information and to have a, have a market, you need to know what you're buying and what you're selling. So we can't trust people that are systematically lying about their products. And that's 2008. And that's what is going to be, uh, free to happen again. It's like a, he's he's more or less in the financial industry, uh, trying to do the equivalent of eliminating the uh, federal food and drug administration. Uh, I don't think we'd have a very viable uh, drug industry right now without having somebody credible, namely the federal government, uh, accreditate that um, you know uh, verify that the medications are actually safe for human consumption. Uh, so, so in every place you look, whether it's um, you know domestic or foreign policy, 
you see somebody who's um, doing the opposite of what we need to do, or close to the opposite. Uh, the only place that I think that where I, I see as some uh, semblance of an intelligent policy is North Korea because he's being tough. And it's a long time since we had somebody stand up for the, uh, for the American public in dealing with North Korea. We cannot uh, allow the North Koreans to develop the means of destroying every major city in the country, destroying our country uh, when they're being run by a, a madman, uh, somebody who's uh, uh, seemingly crazier than Trump. And, uh, you know, we have seen people uh, uh, who have killed themselves to kill other people, right? That's a, now a commonplace in the world. Suicide bombers are an everyday event these days. So we have no idea whether or not Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un is a uh, suicide bomber himself. So to sit back and watch, allow him to develop these weapons uh, without stopping them is the wrong move. Now, that's something like, uh, that's what we'd expect from Neville Chamberlain back in 1938. So what I would have written in public um, in, in a column in Forbes and uh, in other places is, is that uh, Trump should uh, draw a red line. He should say no more missile launches of any type, no more nuclear tests of any type. If you do, we will, if you do anything or prepare to do any of those things, we will uh, view that as an act of war and we will destroy using conventional means all your uh, missile launching facilities, all your missiles, and all your nuclear facilities, uh, and we will do that with conventional means. We will not use nuclear weapons, and we will not attack you, the, the great leader. But if you start assaulting South Korea or Japan or our facilities in Guam, in Guam we will uh, uh, take all the gloves off, and you, the great leader, will be no longer the great leader. You will be the dead leader. So that's your menu of choices. You can cross our red line uh, or you can uh, live. And if, you are, if he is crazy enough to cross the red line, then he's really crazy. And it's better that we confront him militarily now than in 20 years uh, or the next generation of these crazy leaders from his um, lineage. Uh, if he's not crazy, uh, we'll reach, he won't do it. And then uh, my view is that we should reach a peace, peace treaty with North Korea and in exchange for them to, uh, to eliminate their nuclear weapons. And that's a real policy. You know, say, look, we're going to uh, uh, have a normalized relations, recognize you, sign a peace treaty. Uh, we have no need for having troops if we're at peace with you in South Korea. And, uh, but you need to, at the same time, eliminate all your nuclear weapons and to re reduce your ability to destroy Seoul, South Korea, uh, this tremendous amount of munitions targeted towards Seoul. That all has to go away as part of our peace agreement. And then we will withdraw from South Korea as part of that. And you will be welcome to the family of nations. So, or you can go the route of, uh, uh, of destroying your nuclear and missile facilities 
and potentially your entire uh, country, uh, but that's your menu of choices. So that's what economists, I think, you know, the way an economist think about the problem, you need to be very clear as to what the incentive system is, what the prices are that you're going to pay if you do X, Y, and Z. And at this point, Trump is just uh, engaging in a lot of hot air. He's putting on economic sanctions, which the years it hasn't mattered. Uh, on the other hand, he's doing it. So he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, and he's not actually keeping us safer. Now they've just exploded a hydrogen bomb that collapsed uh, like a third of a huge mountain. Uh, when are we going to actually take, you know, real serious action uh, that you take if you're an adult taking care of their children? And we have to view ourselves as grown-ups trying to ensure the well-being of our children and future generations of Americans. Well, you know, I, I, I have my perspective is so different that it, it's difficult for me to respond. You know, there are, I mean, if you include small island nations and big nations, there's like, what, 208 nations in the world. I mean, we are not the largest nation in the world. Of course, we're an economic bankrupt powerhouse. Um, we are an uh, economic powerhouse, but we're bankrupt, unfortunately. You know, why is it our job? I mean, why, why do we have troops in South Korea? Uh, I, this whole part just drives me nuts. Um, why, is it, why should we be concerned him launching a nuclear missile with a hydrogen bomb on it? Now, I think Kim Jong-il is, is dumb as a fox. Let me tell you, he is playing Trump right to the wall. He's winning this war. He's winning this war of words and war of action, I tell you, and, and he's making Trump look silly, in, in my opinion. Um, if we go back in history, North and South Korea were in a civil war. We intervened in a civil war. They never intervened in our civil war, but we intervened in their civil war. Well, we had no right intervening in this civil war. We can say we're the world's policemen. Uh, we were helping the South Koreans and all sorts of stuff. We had no right doing it. We had no right to actually establishing bases. I don't know how many bases. We have tons of bases there. And, and having troops there 24 hours a day. Uh, if, if I was an outsider, not an American, just an outsider from out of space, and I just landed here, I'd say America was the aggressor. I, I would take Kim Jong-il's point of view, saying, hey, get your troops the heck off of our peninsula. Now, if we didn't have our troops, in my humble opinion, and of course my opinion means nothing, and I realize that, is that at least South Korea and North Korea have to come to terms and eventually maybe would even bind together and become one nation again. But without troops there, that will never happen. They'll be at war. And Kim Jong-il is not so stupid to know that if a rocket was launched, even without a warhead, and was halfway across the Atlantic Ocean, it would be blown up in the air. We have anti-missile missile, missile uh, uh, system in place that can take any one of his missiles out in a New York second, right? And he would, and in turn, we would fire back. And it wouldn't take more than one or two bombs because North Korea 
is two-thirds the size of Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is a relatively modestly sized state of the United States. It's a small country. You throw one nuclear bomb, a hydrogen bomb, in Oklahoma, central Oklahoma. You've nuked the whole place. And they're two-thirds the size. I see this as absolute idiocy. The whole thing is idiocy. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm ranting today because this... Trump really bothers me. His whole attitude bothers me. His direction bothers me. And his lack of philosophical principles, his lack of principles bothers the hell out of me. Go ahead. Okay. Well, let me just discuss um, our policy in North Korea. And let's get Trump for, uh, if we can, I'm not certainly in any way a supporter of Trump, as you've just heard. Right. The, um, uh, the re- reality is that uh, uh, North Korea was allied with uh, communist China and communist Russia, Soviet Russia, the Soviet Union at that time. We were having a, a major uh, confrontation. They were publicly saying they wanted to, uh, uh, to promote their, uh, their view and then take over the world. We will bury you was what... Khrushchev, the way Khrushchev put it, we had just uh, gotten out of World War II, and we had appeased, tried to appease a, a dictator who proceeded to take over one country after the other, become more, more and more p- powerful. And we could sit back and say back in 1936, 7, 8, 9, that uh, this was not our fight, and what do we care if Italy's taken over? Well, Italy was part of the the problem with Mussolini, but what do we care about Poland? What do we care about the Czech Republic? What do we care about Austria? Um, how about Belgium, Holland, uh, Denmark, uh, Norway? All these places were invaded, uh, uh, and uh, we had not yet entered the war. And that was the wrong answer. What we should have done in 19, since we were a party to World War One, what we should have done in 1933 is brought over an army and marched into Germany when they started to rearm and said, you're violating the Versailles Treaty. And, uh, and that would have been the end of Hitler. Uh, and that would have saved possibly uh, 50 million lives because you cannot deal with uh, psychopaths uh, based on libertarian principles. You have to deal with them out, out of force. And here we have a psychopath. And whether or not we want, we, there's any rationale for him to particularly angry with the U.S. at this point. He is particularly angry with the U.S., and he has been building uh, weapons to destroy ourselves and our allies. And I frankly don't want you or your grandchildren or your children to be threatened by this um, maniac 10 years from now. Are ever going to be uh, sufficiently good to ensure that we will not lose at least one major city like New York City or San Francisco. Imagine a, a nuclear exchange where we completely destroy North Korea and we lose San Francisco in the process. We will have lost the war because for the rest of time, San Francisco will not be here. And we may not even be able to use San Francisco, the area, rebuild it for 300 years. I mean, that's the time it's going to take to resettle be able to move back into the area of Chernobyl, which um, at least something like uh, the size is an area the size of Switzerland is uninhabitable for something like 300 years in the area around Chernobyl. 
in the Ukraine, from what I understand. Uh, so we cannot allow, given the history uh, that we've experienced, we cannot allow psychopaths to um, uh, to to do whatever they want. We need to give them a clear, firm line in the sand. You go beyond this line, it's over. And President uh, Trump needs to articulate that, and we need to, to I think, take the risk uh, in dealing with him because, you know, yes, we have other countries that are nuclear, but the uh, if 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 North Korea proceeds uh, without any constraints, they'll be providing Iran nuclear weapons. They'll be they'll just sell them to them or give them to them. They'll sell sell them the missiles. We'll be under threat from Iran as well as North Korea. And then Iran could provide these things to Hezbollah or whatever uh, uh, terrorist group that they're interacting with. And somebody could be firing a missile, and they don't care because they're they're suicide uh, bombers themselves, and they don't they realize they'll be killed, but they don't care. We do care. So we have to deal with these people in a very hard way. But Larry, I I don't care. I'll be honest, I, I don't care. It's not, my, it's not my job to care. My job is to care for my family and to care for my country. It's not my job to ensure that my country is the policeman of the world. If we're going to be the policeman of the world, and we know this is going to drive we are in bankruptcy now. And if we continue this course, and, and another thing that yeah. Trump does, he talks about making America great again, right? We, he, re, he eliminates the debt ceiling altogether and then appropriates Two hundred, I think, two hundred billion dollars to Florida, two hundred billion dollars to Houston. Now we may have uh, another two hundred billion dollars for Puerto Rico. We don't have the money. Uh, where is it coming from? This is insanity. Um, you know, if 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 the the, the the hurricanes are the same situation as that we have in North Korea, they, they really are no different in principle. If if Florida has a problem, it is the Flor- Florida has the problem. They're a sovereign state. If you have a house on the beach in Florida and you know every twenty years you get wiped out, you don't have um, uh, insurance. That's your problem. It doesn't become the government's problem, which means it comes out of my pocket. I don't want to pay for someone living on the beach not having insurance. I think we have our whole mindset. This is the problem. Our entire mindset is wrong. If someone wants to, is concerned about North Korea, go, girl, go. Go for it. You know? How about we have Iceland worry about North Korea? How about we have um, – Belize worry about North Korea. How about Chile worry about North Korea? Why, why is it the United States? I don't want to do anything. I don't give a damn. And I don't think anyone should give a damn. And this is what we should tell President Trump. Well, Joe, because uh, they're not building uh, nuclear uh, ballistic missiles to send to Iceland uh, with, with uh, hydrogen bombs on the uh, on them, they're sending, they're building them and designing them to fly to uh, New York City. Yeah, but wait a so minute. The reason why they're doing that is because they, Iceland doesn't have any troops there. If we had no troops there and we were trading with North Korea, they wouldn't be building bombs for us. We create the, the stage. We create the foundation from which all of these conflicts grow and 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 permeate 
We do it all the time. We're experts in war, and we love war because, Larry, that's where the money is. Every one of those bums in Washington know that every contract, every time we, we throw a bomb somewhere, we have to produce another bomb. And when we produce another bomb, that's more cha-ching, that's more money in their cash register, and it comes out of our pocket, and then that creates more antagonism overseas against the United States, which creates more war. That means more money for them, less money for us. Screw everybody. And I'm sick of it. Well, Joe, uh, your view uh, might be right that if we left North Korea, if we withdrew troops, they would be peacefully, uh, they would peacefully reunite or leave North, South Korea alone. But most likely, they would just march in, take over South Korea. And they might march into uh, Japan. How would uh, they do that, Larry? How could they do that? South Korea has a tremendous movie. army. South Korea would eat them alive in a war, even without our help. Well, Maybe, maybe not. They have enough uh, munitions to uh, take out Seoul probably in an afternoon, from what I gather. Uh, Seoul's right on, Seoul, the, on the borderline. I, I agree. So, Seoul, will go, would, Seoul would go within a week. There, there would be nothing left. I, I agree with that. But uh, South Korea is not going to sit there and say, well, I guess they took over Seoul. I guess we're going to sit down the reason, and die. The reason we're allied with South Korea and Japan is because uh, United were much stronger and we, we saw all this movie back in 1933. We allowed Hitler to take over one country after the next, and it led to uh, total disaster worldwide, a global disaster. That was a huge mistake. Anybody who was proposing uh, after, for example, we had to wait till we were attacked by the Japanese in 41. After France and England were at war, uh, our allies, our close allies were at war with Hitler, uh, finally, we decided that our own uh, survival was at stake. Well, it was at stake before Pearl Harbor. And you could say, well, Pearl Harbor is just some boats. Japan's not going to be able to uh, reach us. We're, we've been blockading them for oil, so we'll, they'll be able to get their oil, and we should just stay out of it and just sit back. No, I don't think so. I think uh, what we did was the right thing, which is because uh, I think Japan would have taken over most of Asia, uh, China included, and uh, uh, that would have been uh, terrible for the, the people of those regions. And eventually they would have come over to, uh, to threaten us physically in the U.S. and in, in conjunction with, uh, with Germany. So had we not come in, Russia might have lost the war. Uh, there, you know, Russia, the, the allies, Russia, England, and France, and others may have lost the war to Hitler. We could now be dealing with, with uh, uh, <laughs> You know, I think, Joe, probably you're Jewish. I'm Jewish. Uh, we'd have many fewer Jews left uh, in the world <laughs> if uh, we had gone that route. Well, okay. I, yeah, see, and, it's, it's my view uh, that, that Hitler would never have been in, it, gotten into power if it wasn't for the restrictions we placed on the, on the German people of 700, what is it, 700 calories a day, and they were starving. They would never put the madman in. We had a hand in actually pushing him into office in a way, but I want to get off the subject if you don't mind because I have a portfolio and you need to save me. I want to be I want to be a wealthy person and you have to get me there. Okay, are you ready? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Now we have many of the world's uh, wealthy people. We're talking billionaires with a B. You know, are looking at the world in total, the totality of, of, of economic activity. 
and see hot spots and warm spots. But generally speaking, they see a malaise in the entire financial system. And they're not too enthusiastic. And most of them are saying, you know, we are due, we are past due for a reset, some sort of reset in our system. Um, Every so many years, you know, we have at least a, a mild downturn, a recession, uh, sometimes a depression uh, on occasion. And s- some of the most notable people are saying that we, our next recession, which is due is, or depression, will not be the worst since the, uh, since the Great Depression of 1929. It'll be greater than the Depression of 1929, and it's staring us in the face. And here we have a president spending money like a drunken sailor, in the midst of people not being able to make ends meet with personal debt at an all-time high, student debt as an astronomical, unbelievable all-time high, never been anything close to it, car debts at an all-time high with um, delinquencies, never before had they been so high because everyone had subprime loans. I mean, we're going through the subprime housing project uh, 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 program with cars today, and even housing is ha- starting to have a problem. Uh, we have all of this plus our hellacious debt. You know, we don't have the income for it. If you look at the debt clock, um, you, you can't read the numbers; they turn so fast. And when you look at the income side, they're a lot slower. You can read them. Um, it, it seems like we're in the sports car going 160 miles an hour, and there's a brick wall, and we're heading right for it. What say you about that? Well, I, I agree with you uh, in a very large part about our fiscal situation. Uh, we have to uh, realize that the country is actually bankrupt. We have most of our debts are off the books, uh, Enron style, so that we're actually in about $200 trillion worth of debt, not $20 trillion, right, I agree. which is what the debt clock is recording. Right. We're not recording the right numbers. And that's about 10 years of GDP. So we have to do some very radical things right away to fix things. And, and of course, Trump doesn't um, understand economics or even probably present values. Uh, he doesn't know what to do because uh, he doesn't think that's part of his job. He thinks his job is entertainment, I guess, or, or making fights with people or you know, like running some kind of a, um, a world wrestling match. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's sort of uh, like the wide world of wrestling. It really is. It's, it's like watching a game, you know, and you say, and you want to say to yourself, well, good thing this is not real, you know? <laughs> and I look at them and say, good thing this is not real. I go, no, wait a minute, this is real. <laughs> this scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there are answers, you know, in the healthcare area, for example, we need Medicare Part C for all, and to do provide that within a fixed budget so we can limit all, reduce um, much of, a good chunk of this $200 billion of debt by getting our healthcare spending at the federal government under control while still giving everybody a basic healthcare plan, which is Medicare Part C for all, that's what I'm proposing. Can I propose something totally radical? How about we repeal the Affordable Care Act, right, and replace it with a free market system like it used to be 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and, and, 
and, and the cost on a relative basis, the cost of health care was one-tenth of what it was today, adjusted even for inflation. Uh, well, uh, the, the, the uh, free market does not work for health care because of a very simple reason. If you have a pre-existing condition, you're not going to get covered. And people, if we were all together in a uh, room before we got we were born, what we would want to do was in, was say that whoever showed after we were born, who was ever sick, the other people would take care of them. That's what we call insurance. Now, we uh, we're not we weren't able to make that contract in advance, so we have to use the government to replicate that situation. So somebody who has diabetes uh, for no fault except the inheritance of bad genes, uh, and they're uh, they're facing horrendous expenses. If we let the free market operate, companies like Kaiser Permanente will not take them on uh, or charge them an astronomical fee, and they'll be without insurance. And that means that they will live their entire lives in fear of going bankrupt if they require some operation that they can't cover. That's the reality, uh, and that's what we've been had before President Obama came in. We had 50 million people uninsured. That's not what a developed country is supposed to do. And so, so we need to give everybody a basic policy and pay, charge everybody based on their means, ability to pay through a reasonable tax system. And Medicare Part C is the way to do that. Uh, that's the competitive private sector Republican version of Medicare. And we should just adopt that and call it a day and keep the expenditure by the federal government down to about a 10% of GDP. Uh, and, and then we will not go, you know, then we will eliminate one of the major debts that we're facing. So that's the answer. You, you, you libertarians think that um, uh, it's everybody out for himself, but uh, the reality is that if you saw somebody outside your studio right now with a broken arm, right? No, and no, you, 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 Larry. I tell you, I have to, I have to interrupt because I have to correct something, and I apologize for doing this. No, libertarians are the absolute opposite. Libertarians say that people voluntarily will help each other out. And I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a, fellow, a young fellow that works in my, one of my companies. And um, he tried to start his mother's car, you know, by opening the hood. And there's a gas leak. And he, I, I don't know what he did. But anyway, the, it caught fire. His entire body was burnt. I went to the hospital. His blood pressure was 18. They expected him to die whatsoever. He lived. And by the way, he's still working for us. He's a wonderful kid. You know, now he's not 30 something years old. This was about 15 years ago. And um, he did not have a dime. And they said, well, he said, you'll have to pay, you know, $50 a month or $100 a month, whatever, for, like for the rest of your life. He said, that'll be fine. I, I think after seven or eight years or something like that, they wrote him a letter and they said, thank you for being very judicious and paying everybody. We're writing the rest off. Right? Not only that, but there were charitable organizations that were ready to help him out. But being a libertarian is being the exact opposite of being selfish. It's being wanting to help other people. If you're not a libertarian, you're saying we're going to give it to some government agency that's going to quad increase the cost tenfold, take all sorts of bribes from all the other companies, and then give a little bit back, you know, and suck the blood out of everybody. And then they're going to say, look, look how good I am. That's crap. 
That's crap. Libertarianism is the only way to get literally free health care and inexpensive health care. And I've had big doctors on this program that have – and I've done this for myself. I got an operation. I had a heart operation, $161,000, you know, and then I went to a cash-only hospital. And I said, how much for this operation? Soup to nuts. The price for cash was one-tenth the amount, one-tenth. So I brought it to them, and they said I was wrong. They said you would have paid less than one-tenth the amount. And, and they're all in agreement of this. And not only that, but I have friends that are doctors. They've dropped out of the system. They said, I can't take it anymore because I don't see patients anymore. I fill out paperwork, and I'm sick of it. And they've actually dropped out. So how, how, how could that be cruel? So I'm not, well, Joe, because first of all, I'm not proposing, and I'm going to have to go on a couple, about three okay. minutes, but I'm not proposing, unfortunately, uh, um, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go, but I'm not proposing that we retain the current system. I'm proposing that we adopt the, the Republican version of Medicare, which is Medicare Part C for everybody. If everybody was as magnanimous as you are, uh, we would maybe not need a, uh, to have the government involved. But unfortunately, as an economist, uh, I have to tell you that there's a big propensity of people to pre-write each, on each other's generosity. So you and I both see this person and we might both collectively agree to help them, or I might say, well, Joe, you take care of them. And you might say, well, Larry will take care of them, and neither of us will take care of the person properly. Now, if we had enough generosity in our hearts in this country, we would not see people begging the streets of Boston every mile. You can see a, a large number of people begging. Uh, we would not see people in really desperate shape throughout our country at this point. We would not see people going bankrupt uh, as a result of not being insured. We have right now 30 million people uninsured. It's not like Obamacare fixed things. We've got 20 people, million people off the uninsured list, but it didn't get to, to zero. So we have people right now that are going through financial and emotional, psychological uh, horror because of the way the healthcare system works and nobody uh, and no libertarians are stepping up in great numbers to bail them out. It's not happening. So I think it's kind of naive to think that uh, people are going to, out of the generosity of their ha- hearts, going to be paying on a routine basis for every other per- everybody who needs a $100,000 operation or even a $15,000 operation. They're going to be willing to do it. Now, I agree with you that the current healthcare system has got terrible problems, and I'm not saying we should keep it. I'm saying we should abandon Employer-based health care, Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, replace them all with a basic health policy, which is Medicare Part C for all, and then have supplemental policies on top of that for the rich who can afford to pay. But everybody should have the same basic plan, and it should be paid for by the government, but basically paid for by us through our progressive taxes. But we should have competition by providers. So... uh, we're talking about the government paying a couple more percentage points of GDP, so where our taxes would go up. But I think this would be a more efficient system because we'd have uniform uh, uh, turn basic health care into a commodity, just like apples. And I think we would get right. the, the uh, tax yeah. price, the, the pre thing, the price to go down. So, uh, so you know, your goal right now, Joe, I think, is to get me elected president. Uh, next time around, and then okay. we can fix things together. Well, I, I have to be your campaign manager. Okay. Uh, I'm ready. Okay. Start the GoFundMe project <laughs> to start a third. Let's, I, I, let's I wanna, start. Uh, 
I'm sorry. Let's start a third party and let's call it the um, uh, 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 the next American, the second American Revolution, or something. Uh, okay, I'm with the, you on that. <laughs> uh, the right way. I'm with you on that. The new, whatever you want to call it. We need a third. We need a third party that's actually viable, and that's um. And I'd be happy to be uh, nominated by that party, and, okay. and uh, love to take on. And uh, uh, Clinton, and she looks like she's going to run again in a debate because um, uh, I, I would force them to discuss the facts, and that's why we never saw uh, the issues and the facts were never really discussed in any of the. Uh, primary campaign debates uh, or in the presidential debates. It was all platitudes uh, and attacks, but nobody was talking about why doesn't healthcare work? What's the economics of why it doesn't work? Uh, what is it, what's really, what really happened in, in the Great Recession? Why did we have uh, 17 American financial institutions go under? What was the core problem? And has Dodd-Frank addressed it? No. The core problem was leverage and opacity. We don't have a disclosure policy, nor do we have a, uh, a zero leverage policy, which we should have. Uh, we should run our, our financial system as mutual funds, equity finance mutual funds. So uh, anyway, we can talk about a lot of different policies, but I think that uh, you probably, you know, go for the majority of what I'm proposing uh, because uh, they're, they're simple, they're postcard length, and there's a book on my website called um, uh, You're Hired, a Trump playbook for fixing America's economy. If you go to kotlikop.net, it's a free book. It's about 100 pages. Anybody, any of your listeners can read it. And it's got postcard-length solutions for education, for health care, for Social Security, for taxes, for the banking system. And really, this is what economics thinks, uh, what economists as a group think should we do, because I checked out these plans with economists before I wrote them up, and they're all less than a postcard in length. So I would strongly recommend people read that and send it forward the book to their members of Congress, because the White House is hopeless, but Congress, uh, there may be still time for Congress to act in a useful manner. Uh, I think the, the Graham-Cassidy bill is a nightmare. If they, if they pass that, we're going to have another step backwards towards in healthcare and a lot more people uninsured. We need to have everybody in the same pot. It shouldn't be that Oklahoma treats people one way and uh, Minnesota treats them another way. We need to have a national healthcare system. And uh, uh, this is not a matter of state, state rights. This is a matter of... Uh, one country, one state is going to free ride on the other. If Massachusetts has a good healthcare system, what the people in Oklahoma are going to say is, "Well, look, if you're sick and you can't afford our, our, you know, our policies here, you want a better policy, go to Massachusetts, move." So people will wait till they're sick and they'll move to Massachusetts, and that's going to be a disaster. It's not going to work. So uh, nobody has talked about this. Grand Cassidy. I mean, these people seem not understand even if these, that they need to address these basic questions, uh, they just say, well, the states will take care of it. Well, if the states could take care of it, why couldn't the federal government take care of it, figure out how to deal with it? Because the federal government consists of politicians who um, aren't trained as economists to understand how to deal with health and economic issues. But uh, if you look at um, your hired, you see a proposal that really comes out of 
discussions with every top healthcare economist in the country. It's been endorsed by many Nobel Prize winners, and it's very simple. So there is an answer. You have to uh, start a third party and get me elected, okay? Okay, Larry. Thank you so much for being on the show. I look forward to speaking with you again. My pleasure. And uh, hopefully we'll get the technology going better. Okay. All right. Hopefully next time. Thank you so much for being on our show. Folks, this is the end of today's broadcast. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the financial support, and we'd like to thank you for listening in. You can further the cause of liberty by recommending this program to your friends and let us hear from you. Our email address is comments at libertytalkradio.com. Remember, as my wife would say, you're either allowing liberty to be taken away or you're striving to protect them. Unfortunately, there is no middle ground. Until next time, this is Joe Cristiano. You've been listening to Liberty Talk Radio. Stay well. Stay tuned.